Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father Almighty God, as we come before you tonight, we ask as we gather as a family that, Father, you gather with us. We pray, O oh Lord, that as we come before you and we share your word, the Bible says that when the word of God is shared, that the power of God will be present to heal your people. And therefore, Father Almighty God, we lift Rita up tonight and we sense that she's unwell or she says she's unwell, my father. And we pray for her and everybody else who is believing God for a healing. We pray in the name, the matchless name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that in his name, that Lord, the healing grace of the almighty God may flow to Rita and to anybody else who is listening. We come together as a family, and the Bible says where two or three of us agree on earth as touching anything, it will be done for us by our Father in heaven. And therefore, we join our faith together, and we pray for anybody who is believing God for healing, and we just give you thanks, praise, honor, and glory. Father, tonight, thank you. Take all the glory tonight. Let us spend some amazing time with you. In Jesus' most holy name, amen and amen. Rita, God will heal you. Um, I say that from the bottom of my heart. Chris, if you're feeling unwell, God will heal you. Beverly, God will heal you and God will be kind. And so, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we are going to be looking at the subject of enforcing the promises of God. And when I say enforcing the promises of God, I'm going to read. Remember, we're focusing on the word that we have for the year and we're looking at different elements of it. Last week, we looked at um, we, we had a, gr a great time about thriving in the midst of famine. And I pray that that really, really helped, um, really helped. You've already got one testimony and that was um, I'm really excited that, you know, God will even in the midst of a famine, God will help. God will help you. And so, ladies and gentlemen, as we come to the Bible tonight, I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible. I'm going to read the Amplified Classic Version, but I'm going to read Luke 5, verses 1 to 12. And the Bible says the following. The Bible says, now it occurred that while the people pressed upon Jesus to hear the message of God. He was standing by the lake of Genesaret, Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats drawn up by the lake, but the fishermen had gone down from them and were washing their nets. And getting into one of the boats, the one that belonged to Simon Peter, he requested him to draw away a little from the shore. And then he sat down and continued to teach the crowd of people from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep water and lower your nets for a haul. And Simon Peter answered, Master, we toiled all night exhaustingly and caught nothing in our nets. 
but on the ground of your word, I will lower the nets again. Verse six, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. And as their nets were at the point of breaking, they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and take hold with them. And they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man. For he was gripped with bewildering amazement, allied to terror, and all who were with him at the hall of fish they had made. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon Peter. And Jesus said to Simon, have no fear. From now on, you will be catching men. And after they had run their boats on shore, they left everything and joined him as his disciples and sided with his party and accompanied him. And so ladies and gentlemen, what we realize tonight, this is the word of the Lord for the year. And remember, we're focusing on launch out into the deep. That's what the Lord has said over our lives this year. And I want you to keep that word in mind. I want you to keep that word that launch out into the deep. That's God's instruction. Now, what we're looking at today is we're looking at enforcing the promises of God. And let, notice what happened with Peter. Jesus said to him in a difficult season of his life, do this. He said, um, from verse four, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep water and lower your nets for a haul. Simon Peter said that, listen, we toiled all night and we've caught nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets again. And ladies and gentlemen, we want to, I want you to realize that, and let me say this carefully as, as we go forward, a promise that you believe you will act on. And Peter took Jesus at his word and he acted on the promise. And he, in the midst of a difficult, difficult, difficult season, there was a miraculous breakthrough. And ladies and gentlemen, I honestly believe that if God's given you a promise, God knew in January that this season was coming. So the season has nothing to do with the validity of God's word. God's word is going to come to pass irrespective. But let's have a look. And so the, Peter takes the action and the miraculous shows up. So tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we want to look at how we can get to that point where when God gives you a promise, you are brave enough to take the action. I sense in my spirit that tonight is rather important. And so I'll go systematically. And so ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a look at a gentle, uh, um, an example in the Bible, one of the most famous examples in the Bible to expand upon this subject. And so I'm going to, could you kindly turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4, verse 16, and I'll read from the King James Version of the Bible. I will stop reading um, 
at verse 22. So Romans 4, verse 16, and I'll read to verse 22. And I'm going to read from the King James. The Bible says the following. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. That's what the Lord said to Abraham. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. But when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Verse 22, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness, meaning based upon his belief in God, God transferred to the word imputed means to grant to somebody this is not something they earn this is something that the lord grants as a gift or as a grace and the bible says the lord granted that element of right standing that because of your belief in me i will credit you as a as a righteous man and the Bible says the results are quite remarkable because he has a child. But ladies and gentlemen, I want you to, I want you to, to please let's go together. So let's unpack this particular scripture. And the reason I say that is the scripture gives us Abraham's age. And the Bible says that in verse 19, and being not weak in faith, he considered his own body now, now dead when he was about an hundred years old. So when we read Abraham's story, we realize, ladies and gentlemen, that this is not at the beginning of the story when God called him. This is towards the, the tail end and the middle, the tail end, actually of his life and the bible says he's a hundred now what i want you to also realize ladies and gentlemen as we look at this that uh, that means abraham's turning point was of a specific period and ladies and gentlemen the lord has done the same for you and i he's given us a word so that during a specific period that which we are desperate for 
that which we are believing God for, that which we are hoping for, shows up. And because the Lord, this whole process began when God gave Abraham a promise, the same way God has given you and I a promise. And this is what I want you to realize, the same way God, um, Jesus gave Peter a promise. When God gives you a promise, it is God's intention to not only keep the promise, but to cause something else on the other side of that promise to become a reality. And it will shape your life and your experience and the life of those around you. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to realize this is, this is, this is my burden today. And I'll explain my burden. The Lord has given us promises. If we do not act on them, if we don't believe him and act on them, the promises will not come to pass. And that's not God's plan for you in this season or in any season. And so as we come to the word today, ladies and gentlemen, as we look at Abraham's journey, I want you to realize that the Lord has given you a promise so that he can make your life better or make your experiences better. And he's given you a word and the word connects you to the power and ability of God. And we're going to have a look at that. And so ladies and gentlemen, we're coming up to 714. Let's take our declaration together. And then we will, we will come back to this story. And let's take our declaration over our country. And at a time like this, whichever country you are in, we desperately need this to be true. Oh, Lord, we are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves and we pray. We seek your face. We turn from our wicked ways. Hear from heaven, Lord forgive our sins and heal our land in Jesus's name we pray we declare our land is healed in the name of Jesus and everybody says amen wherever you are living ladies and gentlemen may that prayer be true may the land around you be healed so, and it will bless you and it will bless those around you. But may that be true. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we're looking at Abraham. And what, what we're looking at is this particular element of scripture where it presents the turning point. The assumption many times is that this is how Abraham was from the beginning. The reality is not the case. It's not that he didn't believe the Lord, but this was the turning point. And ladies and gentlemen, I sense in my spirit, and I say this very carefully, that we have come to a turning point and the Lord has given us a promise. And he said, launch out into the deep against all the circumstances that are prevalent. God wants you to reach for your dreams. And so let, let's, let's have a look at what, um, let's, let's dive into the Bible. The first thing we realize, ladies and gentlemen, when we look at um, Romans 4, let me, let's go back in the Bible and identify where this happens. So come with me, please, to the book of Genesis, 
we'll go to Genesis 18. Genesis 18, and I will tell the story. Um, I'll tell the story and then, then we'll move on. And so the Bible, the, in Genesis 18, the Bible says the Lord appears to Abraham. He comes with two angels. They're on their way to Sodom and he's on his way to judge Sodom, but he stops at Abraham's house. When the Lord arrives at Abraham's house, Abraham lays a meal before him and they fellowship. And the Bible says that the Lord eats and, and they, they, they eat what is offered. And once they have eaten, the Lord asks a very specific question. And I'll pick up the narrative at verse nine. I'll pick up the narrative at verse nine. And they said, this is Genesis 18, verse nine. And they said unto him, where is Sarah, thy wife? And he said, behold, in the tent. Now, remember, Abraham was not praying about his problems. Abraham had not presented to the Lord while he was eating or while they were discussing. He had said nothing to the Lord about, oh, Lord, what about my child? He had said nothing. And the Bible says, and the Lord said, where is Sarah, thy wife? And, and he said, behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind them. So she was behind a curtain. She was behind a very large curtain. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in years. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. That means Sarah crossed the point of menopause. Both Abraham and Sarah were referred to as old and stricken in years. That means they were, they were getting to a point where they're at the late latter point part of their life. Going by dates, this is when Abraham is about 99 years old. Um, going by dates. He's about, yes, 98, going to on 99. You'll see why in a moment. The Bible then says, therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, am I, after I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Bible says, Sarah said that inside. She didn't say it out. She said it in, her, in herself. And the Bible says, and the Lord said unto Abraham, what, wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? That also tells us, ladies and gentlemen, your thoughts and your words stand before God with the same level of, they're, they're equal. Because Sarah spoke in her heart. God heard her and responded to Abraham that, why did your wife say this? That means when you speak, Inside and outside, that means audibly and inaudibly, ladies and gentlemen, it stands before God. He can hear both. Now, we see this in Psalms chapter 19, reading from verse 14. The Bible says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So ladies and gentlemen, I want you to also realize what you're saying inside and what you're saying outside by the time, by God's grace, by the end of this particular session and next week, you, what you will be saying concerning yourself will change. 
and it is, and, and this, I'll, I'll keep going. And the Bible says, we get to verse 14, which is famous. And the Bible says, is anything too hard for the Lord? So the Lord says, is anything too hard for the Lord? The word hard there or the word anything means any saying, any pronouncement, any promise. Is it too hard for the Lord to bring to pass? And the, the Bible says it doesn't require an answer. And the Lord repeats himself. He says, at the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Pause. Let me bring you into the reality of this story. That means Abraham and Sarah, by virtue of their age and health conditions, were no longer intimate as a couple. That wasn't the case. The Bible says, she said, I'm old. She said, my Lord is old. That means they were not actively making love as a couple. Now, what that means is the Lord speaks his word into a situation that is dire. That when the Lord says, this is what's going to happen, the circumstances around that word were so negative that Sarah said, how can it be? Now, I want you to pause for a moment. When the Lord said, launch out into the deep, he knew that by the time we get to November and December, the circumstances around you will be screaming. This is the worst time to try an idea. This is the worst time to attempt a business. This is the worst time to plan an expansion. This is the worst time to try something. God knew. But the what we are going to find out, ladies and gentlemen, is that the word of God, by virtue of the person that speaks it, and by virtue of the power behind those words, it, it, the circumstances of what the circumstances we are failing, they are not going to stop God's word coming to pass. So, ladies and gentlemen, Abraham and Sarah are now at a pivotal point in their life. And I want to say this to you in the very same way, ladies and gentlemen, you and I are at a pivotal point in our life, but we have to take advantage of the promise God has given us that this is the time for you and I to move forward. This is the time for you and I to step into a new season. This is the time for you and I to launch out into the deep, and then the Lord will take over. But let's see how Abraham gets there. So this is what this is where this, the word comes from. The Bible then says, um, Abraham and the Lord keep talking. Um, they sought out the challenge with Sodom. That's the reason the Lord came. And the Lord goes back to heaven, which is wonderful. Different sermon, different time. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to keep in mind, and please keep this fact in mind. All Abraham and Sarah had was God's word. But now let's go to chapter 20. The next two... Um, Chapter 19 is focused on Sodom and Gomorrah. So let's go to chapter 20. Genesis ch chapter 20. And I want you to, we'll start at verse one and I will tell you the story. So we understand. So we'll get the picture. 
Now, Abraham and Sarah are, are, no, are, are living a nomadic life. They move around. This particular time, Abraham and Sarah, they go south and they start staying in a place called Gera with a king called Abimelech. Sarah is, now this is where you begin to realize something has begun to happen to Sarah because she's beautiful enough to attract the attention of a king and his nobles. And she's beautiful and physically attractive enough, ladies and gentlemen, to listen carefully, for a king to say, I want to marry this person. So when you begin, when you accept the word of God, it begins to work even though you don't realize it. So people will begin to see you in what God has said about you, even though you yourself may not fully believe it yet, because Abraham and Sarah didn't fully believe it yet. The Bible records, ladies and gentlemen, that Abimelech says to Abraham, who is this lady? Abraham says, because he is afraid, and we spoke about this last week, he says, because he is afraid, he says, this is my sister. He says, wonderful, I would love to marry your sister. And he blesses Abraham for the fact and Sarah goes into the house of Abimelech. The Lord then plagues Abimelech's house. And this is where we're going to pick up the narrative. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm bringing you to the turning point. Please follow along. So um, verse two, Genesis 20, verse two, Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerah, sent and took Sarah. Now, when we say sent, that means he sent gifts, he sent presents, he sent nobles, and he said to Abraham, let your sister come into my house as a wife. The Bible says, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, behold, thou art but a dead man for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. And Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Pause for a moment. I want you to understand something, ladies and gentlemen. At this particular point in time, notice the very thing that was central to the promise in Abraham's life, Satan tried to take away by deception. Ladies and gentlemen, the circumstances around you will not deceive you in this season. They will not trick you into giving up that which is most valuable. For some of you, you're holding on to a dream. For some of you, you're holding on to a desire. For some of you, you're holding on to a promise. For some of you, you're holding on to a picture of tomorrow that the circumstances around you are saying will not come to pass. Hear me well. Do not be deceived. Notice they didn't try and kill Abraham. They blessed him for it. But they took the one thing that mattered the most, the central thing that without this woman, God's promise cannot come to pass. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to value what God has placed within you, especially if it's invisible. The promise is going to come to pass. So God tells Abimelech, listen, you're a dead man. Give the man his wife back. Abimelech does so. And I'm, I'm skipping forward deliberately. Abimelech presents to Abraham. He says to Abraham, why have you done this to me? And Abraham, Abimelech is not like Pharaoh. He's very clear. And he says, why have you done this? Abraham, for the first time, says, you know what? I 
saw in this place that there was no fear of God. I thought you might kill me for my wife and I didn't want to die for my wife. And this is the agreement we have. And to be honest, you know what? We didn't lie to you. We just massaged the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, in this season, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Because you are working with a God who functions in truth. He does not need your help to bring his plans to pass in your life. The Bible says that Abraham tells him, this is what I'm going through. And the Bible says, okay, I'll return your wife. And, I'll, and he blesses him and he returns it. So the quarrel is settled. But the Lord says something to Abimelech. And he says the following. He said, verse seven, now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet and he shall pray for thee and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die or, and all that are thine. Pause. The Lord says something about Abraham that he said of nobody else in scripture. He said at this particular point in time, he said the man is a prophet. The word prophet means somebody who speaks inspired words or declares the will and intention of the Lord. Abraham goes and finds Abraham. Abimelech goes and finds Abraham. They settle the issue of Sarah. And this is what happens. Come with me, ladies and gentlemen, please, to Genesis 20. But let's go to verse 17. Now, verse 17 is the beginning of where we read in Romans, verse 17. So Abraham prayed unto God and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants and they bare children. For the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to say here before we go on, this is the first time in scripture that healing has been asked for directly. It's the first time. The Bible says healing comes on the back of prayer. And so I'm going to pause just for a second. And I don't know who I'm praying for. I don't know who I'm praying with, but I'm, I'm, it, it's worth it. We're just going to pause for a moment. And if you are believing God to heal you, let's join our faith together. And I say that in this particular season, wherever you are, whatever you are facing, whatever stage or challenge you may be facing, we pray in the name of Jesus, that in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, may healing come to you wherever you are or to your loved ones. 
Healing means to restore to an original state. May somebody's ability to have children be restored. May somebody's ability to prosper be restored. May somebody's ability to breathe be restored. May somebody's ability just to keep going be restored. May somebody's mind be restored. But healing will come to you. Why? The Bible is very specific. The Bible says Abraham prays and the Lord God heals. So will it be for you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we are now at the beginning. So this is where Romans 4, verse 16, I'll turn there. This is where Romans 4, verse 16 starts. So now, this is the picture. So Abraham has got his wife back. Abraham has prayed for Abimelech. Abimelech, amen to each, amen to everybody, amen to everybody. If for those that are believing God for healing, amen, you will testify. You will. Abraham has got his wife back, and the circumstances are as bad as they were before he arrived at Abimelech's house, except that he now had a demonstration of the power of God to do what he wanted done in his life. And the Bible then says that Abraham begins to do certain things that moves him from a place of doubt and moves his wife as well from a place of doubt or worry to a point where he is fully and absolutely persuaded. So this is the picture. Now, what I want to give you, ladies and gentlemen, let me give you the end and then we'll look at the middle. So now you have a picture of the story. Now you know that these are two elderly people. Now you realize that this is not, this is, this is the circumstances are pretty dire, very similar to what we are facing. Let's look at the end of the story and then we'll break down the middle. And I pray it blesses you. Please continue with me to Genesis 21, verse 1. Genesis 21, verse 1. And the Bible says the following. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Ladies and gentlemen, the outcome of what we are about to study is that not only did God come back and visit, 
but he kept his word to the letter for Sarah. And ladies and gentlemen, whatever promise God has given you, he will keep his word to the letter. And I want you to realize the reason we're going this systematic, systematically like this, the promises that we have been given this year are not just to, um, the term is titillate or to, to, to make you feel good. They are there to change your life, my life, but also the lives of people we have not met. So let's now look, ladies and gentlemen, at Romans 4, verse 16. And let's now break down what happens. So now we have a picture. Now we realize this is not the story of a superstar. This is the story of a straightforward, real person, very similar to you and I. Romans 4, and I'm going to read from verse 16. The Bible says, therefore, it is of faith. We, we've got there. Um, okay, verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they are. This is what God does. He brings back to life that which is dead for a very simple reason. And so we realize when God says this is going to happen, he gives the ability to something that is dead for it to have life. And I'll keep going. The Bible says, Abraham, who against hope, believed in hope that he might become the father of nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. You find that in Genesis 15. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, which was about a hundred years old. Now we have a picture, ladies and gentlemen. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. The Bible says that her menstrual cycle had completely ended. The Bible says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. And this is the key. Giving glory to God. What had happened? Because Abraham and Sarah had seen God at work. They saw God give to a nation children now that means now this is this is why i love the bible for them to know that god had done what he said that means they must have been with abimelech for at least 9 months watching the people get pregnant watching the people have children, watching God's word come to pass to the point that they themselves could say, the thing that God has promised is true. 
by virtue of the fact they had an example. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand something. What God has promised you, I am almost certain to say that he has not promised you something that is strange or unusual or that has not happened in scripture or has not happened in the lives of men. That means, ladies and gentlemen, if God has done it for one person, he's not a respecter of persons and he will do it for you. Now, this is what I also want you to notice. The Bible says the key was Abraham was giving glory to God. Now, what was he doing? What does that mean, giving glory to God? He was acknowledging that God had done what he promised, even though it had not shown up yet. So the Bible says that he was at this point, he was now declaring, and he wasn't just talking. That means every night he lay down next to his wife, every night she lay down next to him. We don't know how many times they laid down and nothing happened, but each day they would declare that, you know what? God has done what he said. God is a healer, and God has given us what we have promised. And then the next night would come. They would lay down. Nothing would happen. They would say it again. God has done what he said. God has kept his word. We've seen God in action. Then somebody else in Abimelech's house would have children. They will say, God has done it for this person. Then God has done it for me. What was Abraham doing? He was acknowledging that God, what you have promised is a reality. Now, why am I doing it like this? I want you to realize this is not a spooky process. This is reality. This is what was happening to Abraham. Every time he would see somebody who had given birth to a child from Abimelech's house, he'll lay down next to his wife. Nothing may happen. No physical response in his body, no physical response in her body. But what was happening? As they were giving glory to God, the appointed time was coming closer and closer and closer and closer until one day where the Bible says, God said, I will return according to the time of life. I will show up. I've given you my word. I will show up. And the Bible says that one night they must have laid down and something had changed. By the morning, the impossible, that which they called impossible was possible. And I want to say this over your life. Listen carefully. If they were not giving glory to God, and I'll show you what it means in a moment in another scripture. If they were not giving glory to God and they were not trying, God would have come back at the appointed time and nothing would have happened because they were not ready. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord is trying to position you to bring his word to pass. The Bible says one day the Lord comes back and this is the night. They're laying down, they're 
not no response until one day the Lord comes back and something happens. By the morning, ladies and gentlemen, the woman is pregnant. Hear me well. So will it be with you. It's going to turn one day. The scales will tip in your favor one day. Some that which you have been asking God for one day. Listen carefully. Please hear me well. Please hear me well. The Lord, I will come to your questions in a minute. The Lord came back, but they were trying. Now, please hear me well. I, I, I'm going to take the question I've got. Thank you very much. I will take it. I will. But the scales will tip in your favor. So let's look at what it means to give glory to God. So we understand what Abraham and Sarah were doing that triggered the miracle. Listen carefully, come with me into the New Testament, ladies and gentlemen, and come with me please to the book of Luke chapter 17. I'm going to read from verse 11 and I'm going to read down to verse 19. Now listen carefully. I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible. I'm, and I'm, I have a wonderful question and I'm going to answer it. The Bible says, and it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. The illness was taken away. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And with a loud voice, glorified God. So what was, when the Bible says Abraham was glorifying the Lord, he was acknowledging in advance what God was yet to do. The Samaritan came back and he started glorifying God, even though the priest hadn't said you're free to go. He sensed in his spirit that, wait, I am healed. So he began to, he turned around in faith and said, let me thank the person that has changed my life. Now, this is what I want you to realize, ladies and gentlemen, enforcing the promises of God. Sometimes you have to thank God with little or you thank God with very small amounts. You toughen up and you say to God, I believe you, irrespective of the circumstances. Let's keep reading. Great story. And then I'll, I'll switch to the question. And the Bible says, and he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Luke 17, verse 17. And Jesus answering and says, were there not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? that are not found that are there are not found that return to give what glory to god that means acknowledging that god is who he says he is he can do what he says he can do and he is willing to do it on your behalf 
acknowledging that God has kept his word. The Bible says, Jesus says to this Samaritan, and he said unto him, arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. So ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand this particular man, the Samaritan, he said, don't bother to go to the priests because you came back to give glory to God. The miraculous kicked in and not only was the leprosy removed, but all the pain and the damage was removed. And so ladies and gentlemen, we realized when Abraham began to give glory to God, the miraculous kicked in and began to rebuild the physiology of Abraham and Sarah to the point that a miracle showed up at the appointed time. When you begin to give thanks and glory to God, it triggers miracles because it allows God to step into your life and cause things to happen that for the average person, things will not happen. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I have a, a, um, I have a question, but I'm going to come to that in a moment. Let me go to one scripture so you understand. I want you to understand before I move on, before we close this little bit out. Please hear me well. Enforcing the promises of God, key number one, the one I want you to hold on to today, is giving glory to God irrespective of the circumstances. Now, listen carefully, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to take you to another section of scripture. This is what I want you to understand. The Samaritan leper hadn't got to the priest, but he came back to say thank you. The Bible records God healed him totally. As you give glory to God, the ability of the almighty God will become yours. And I'll explain why in a moment. Turn with me, please, to the book of Habakkuk. Chapter three. And we are going to read verses 17 to 19. Now, I'm going to read that in the Amplified Classic version of the bible um, in the amplified classic version and i want you to understand what was abraham doing notice and this is something i want you to remember please remember this is these are real situations abraham was giving glory to god the bible says he hoped against all hope he was giving glory to god while his body was still dead, while Sarah still had no menstrual cycle, while intimacy was impossible for them both, but they would lie down each night, wake up in the morning, give glory to God, see you again tomorrow. Listen carefully. This is what we're talking about. The, as you give glory to God, the miraculous power of God will go to work on your behalf and eventually the scales will tip on in your favor. Come with me, please, to the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3, 17 to 19. The Bible says, though the fig tree does not blossom 
and there is no fruit on the vines, though the product of the olive fails and the fields yield no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold and there are no cattle in the stalls. Now that describes an absolute disaster for an agrarian community, an absolute disaster. The Bible says the following, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exalt in the victorious God of my salvation. And listen to what will then happen. The Lord God is my strength. So as you begin to give glory to God, the strength of God will become yours. My personal bravery and my invincible army. He makes my feet like hinds feet and will make me to walk, not to stand still in terror, but to walk and make spiritual progress upon my high places of trouble, suffering, or responsibility. That means the key for you to step into what God has planned for you, key number one, to ensure, this is only one key. Next week, we're going to deal with about three or four more, two or three more. But I want you to understand, this is the big one. As you give glory to God, when the circumstances don't agree with you, the power of the Lord will cause you to make progress where other people don't make progress. I want you to, um, this is what the Bible says. And this is what Abraham was doing. And he didn't do it once. He was with Abimelech for at least nine months. He was out of Abimelech's space. We don't know, probably for three, four months, but long enough for Abimelech's people to have children and Abraham to see it. Then they move on. And now when they are alone, God then steps into their world and causes to happen what he has promised. What had they been doing for almost nine months? They had been giving glory to God. Giving up, ladies and gentlemen, is not an option. The circumstances do not determine the faithfulness of our God. But the Bible says the words of your mouth will shape the circumstances of your life. As you begin to speak God's word, as you begin to give him thanks, the Bible says his strength will become yours, okay? His strength. Now, what will happen as you begin to thank God, as you begin to thank God, the Bible says it, there are two scriptures I want you to go to um, about giving glory to God, but there are two that I want you to go to, and there's and this one I want, I want you and we'll look at two, and then we'll realize, we'll wrap that up, but, but then I will answer the question that I've got. Kindly turn in your Bible to Isaiah 50, verse 10. Isaiah 50, verse 10. The Bible says, who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, 
that walketh in darkness and hath no light. Listen carefully. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Now, this is what I want you to understand. Trust is not abstract. It is a decision we take to believe what God has said against all odds. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand something. This, this is the last, this is, so when the Bible says that when you're walking in darkness and you have no light, when it looks like there's nothing around you, trust in the name of the Lord your God. And the Bible says, stay upon your God. And I want you to please hear me well. When we say trust, I, that means out of your mouth, begin to declare what God has said to you against all odd. They won't take the house from you. They're not going to take the car from you, but trust the Lord and the Lord will shape the circumstances. When we say trust, that means you are declaring what God has said in the face of every challenge and God will turn around and show himself strong on your behalf. Couple of and one last scripture before I go to the question is this one. Um, please turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter twenty-three. We're going to read from seventeen to eighteen. Proverbs twenty-three, seventeen to eighteen, just to show you what it means to trust. The Bible says, "Let not thy heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long." For surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. What that means is when you have the fear of the Lord, that means you acknowledge that God, you know better than I do. That I might be going through a difficult season. I might be going through a difficult challenge. But Lord, you know better than I do. I did not come here alone. I am with you. You said that you are my healer. You said you are my shepherd. You said you are my provider. You said that you are the one who heals my body. You said that you are the one who will order my steps. You said this of yourself, and I trust you. The Bible says that will shape your experience. And the latter end will be simple. What you are expecting God to be will not be cut off. You see, your expectation will determine what God does on your behalf. All you have to build is the expectation. And so ladies and gentlemen, I, this is the key number one, giving glory to God. It brings the power of God. And we've spoken about what happened to Abraham. The Bible said the Lord visited and Sarah received the strength to have a baby. The Bible says that at the time, God kept his word to her. She didn't just have a baby. She had a son and she had the son that God had promised many years ago. So will it be with you. 
And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to keep your hopes up. The circumstances around you, and we're not done because I want to answer the question. We're not done. The circumstances around you will not snuff your faith out. You will see God. Your expectation will not be cut off. Now, this is the question that we had, and I'm just going to, I'm going to read it out. If I can't finish it today, I will go forward. It says, sir, would the same outcome have happened if Abraham's faith was weak? Romans 2020. Um, okay. The Bible says that he was strengthened in faith. Romans 4.20, I think that is. Let's have a look. Let me have a look just to make sure we're right. Okay, the Bible says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. It's not so much, you see, his faith was strengthened as he gave glory to God. So the more he gave glory to God, the stronger his belief came. The more he gave glory to God, the Lord strengthened his belief. And please remember, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to faith, the Lord will help you believe. Now, the Bible does say without faith, it is impossible to please God. Yes, but the Lord, the Bible also says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That means faith, you can have as much of faith as you need. Do what the Bible says. Stay in the word of God. Meditate on the word of God. Acknowledge and celebrate what God has done in the life of others. Read the Bible as if it is true. Speak the word over yourself and your faith will grow. Now, the person said, sometimes faith is hard. I absolutely agree. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes you are up against really difficult circumstances. But at the center, remember, faith, this is what Jesus said, Mark eleven twenty two. Please never forget this about faith. The Bible says, have faith in God. God is the center of our faith, not you or I, not our circumstances. And for God, nothing is too hard. And for God, nothing is impossible. And for God, God will not let you down. So ladies and gentlemen, I want you to remember something. Please keep this in mind as you walk your journey of faith, that the center of our faith is the faithfulness of God and this is where we're going to pick it up next week. Ladies and gentlemen, may God bless you. May you have an absolutely fantastic week. God will keep you. This season will not snuff out your faith. God bless you, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.